finishing well it was kind of a trilogy but i more think of this as a separate episode for oddest tool specifically the adam walsh case so we're going to be covering that yeah but 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 first the first housekeeping items yes yes as i usually like to do if you were so kind enough to leave us a review on apple podcasts i am going to read them and shout you out because you're wonderful for taking time out of your day and doing that first we have i love how y'all talk about yourselves and make it personal for your listeners a lot of the top true crime podcasts just go straight into the murders, so keep it up. That's Logan from ADHD Discussions, which they are hilarious. Very hilarious. They have a really funny Boy Scouts episode. Yes, they have a funny Boy Scouts episode, and I guess I'll tell this one real quick, because it was something about <laughs> about how he, how he shit his pants, and he wanted to tell people that he just happened to go into an outhouse, pulled his pants down, and somebody else's shit fell into his pants. <laughs> When I was in third or the fourth grade, I can't believe I'm like two minutes in already like talking about this. I almost feel like this should be a Patreon only thing. Doesn't matter. I had this really nasty habit. Well, it's not a nasty habit. It's a bad habit. And that is for efficiency's sake, when I had to go piss at a urinal, I would start the process. Like I would start like pushing the piss out as I'm whipping my dick out so that by, by the time it's out, I don't have to wait. I just start pissing, right? Pretty streamlined, right? Well, one day I'm doing this and then this one mistake changed my whole my whole approach to this process. I'm starting to piss. I'm whipping my dick out. It gets stuck in my zipper and then I just like piss my pants. And finally, like I'm able to yank it out and, and get the rest of the piss out, but it looks like I've pissed my pants. Which you have. Which, which I have. And so- That wouldn't be wrong to no, say. No, well, well, right. So here I am, 10 year old me is like man what what do i do here and then i was like i know i'll go play in the sink because if my entire pants are drenched nobody will think that i pissed them because nobody can produce that that much piss we had like uh, two regular sinks and an industrial size sink I got in the industrial size sink. I don't know why there was one there, but there always was. This was at school? This was at this was at school. I was okay. in like the third or fourth grade. And I turned both the faucets on and I just <laughs> drenched my entire pants. Like I was wearing jeans, I think. And they were just completely fucking soaked. And so I'm like all 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 proud of myself. And I, I start walking out the bathroom and Should one of, showed them. And one one of my classmates is like <laughs> One of my classmates is is walking to the bathroom from the classroom, and his first words are like, "Hey, Drew, you piss your pants," and I'm like, "No, what? You think I can piss this much? What are you stupid?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess you're right." And then I go, I go in the classroom, and my teacher's like, "What did you do?" Like I felt like playing in the sink. She's like, "You're <laughs> awful." You are so misbehaved, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But nobody made fun of me for pissing my pants because I owned it and I wanted to be a troublemaker. I got in trouble for being a troublemaker. But you don't get made fun of for being a troublemaker. You get made fun of for pissing your pants. So that's how I uh, circumvented that that day. Excellent. Th- thanks for thanks for Logan at the uh, ADHD Discussions podcast for reminding me of that. Okay. 
Yes, thank you. Because when Drewby told me about this, I like died for like a half hour. Yeah, she was. She like couldn't breathe. Okay, so I feel like I, I spent so much time talking about piss. Uh, I'll try to get to most of these. So love the personal touch that these two give to their cases and how they discuss things so honestly. Well researched and great dynamic between the hosts. This podcast tells things how it is and in a refreshing light from most hex. So that's the most excellent podcast. Yes, yes, that's the most excellent podcast. Shout outs to them and thank you for the review. Diet kink oh my god it's wonderful <laughs> they're hilarious i i am absolutely loving what these two have to say can i also just mention the absolutely love lovely and pleasing voices that's very very kind of so you. they're hilarious they're a husband and wife team that started selling sex toys and by the the name of it, it's called diet kink they just you know talk about crazy sex stuff and one of my favorite episodes, they actually tried the grapefruit technique out on each oh, other. Oh, like when you grapefruit your man? Yeah, when you grapefruit your man. They oh, did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, what happened? I have to know. Like, just give me the, the, the quick and easy No, you of guys it. have to listen to it. All right, fine. Okay, <clears throat> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, But th- thank you. Oh, my God. Like, I've, I've struggled my voice for so long, and I, I've had vocal lessons. I've, I've training on how to speak and stuff like that, so... Having somebody saying I have a pleasing voice just reminds me of all the hard work I've done. Anyways, they also say, of course, what they are saying is funny, insightful, and makes them relatable, but they sound great and are so easy to listen to, like hanging out with your friends in the living room. Keep it up, guys. Love Diet Kink. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> then from the a lot of podcasts today, Sip and Edition podcast, Yergi and, and Drewby have a really good flow with each other, and I'm a new listener but already feel hooked and cannot wait to binge the rest of the episodes. It's nice to hear people do their research on their topics, but also not take it too seriously. Thank you so much. And we have more here, but I don't want the whole intro to be all Apple reviews. So let's get to the case, and then we'll take a little break in the middle, and I'll read some more. So we are doing Otis Tool, are we not? We are. Okay. And it is Otis, not Otis. Yes, I know. I may I may accidentally say Otis. But some people do. In some documentaries, they specifically called them Otis. But yes, so forgive his name Drew is Otis He has two Ts, O-T-T-I-S. Not like Milo and Otis. Oh, that was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And then I learned that there was a million Milos and Otises that were being tortured or dying Aww. in in making that movie. Because at the time there was no there was no ASPCA regulations or anything like that in Japan or wherever it was made. It was under very inhumane conditions for those animals. Anyway. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Did That's you? sad. Yeah, it is pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, Otis Elwood Toole was an American drifter and serial killer who was convicted of six counts of murder. Like his companion, Henry Lee Lucas, Toole made confessions he then later recanted, which resulted in murder convictions. The discrediting of the case against Lucas for crimes Toole had offered corroborating statements created doubts as to whether either was a genuine serial killer or as Hugh Ainsworth suggested, that's the document. Ainsworth. It's not Ainsworth, <laughs> but he was the reporter from the the documentary. Both were merely compliant interviewees whom police used to clear unsolved murders from the books. Tool received two death sentences, but on appeal they were commuted to life imprisonment. I wonder if George Bush did these too. Yeah. He died in his cell from cirrhosis of the liver, age 49. Police attributed the murder of Adam Walsh to Tool on the basis of recanted statements. Lucas had backed Tool's confession to the Walsh murder, claiming he had been in possession of the victim's severed head. So was it proven that he did have the severed head? No, not really. Okay, it was just, that was something that he said that he drove around for a while and was like, oh, I just happened to have the severed head here. I mean, they found it, I believe, in a canal. 
did they find it yeah. in a canal? Okay, yeah, they found the head, but they didn't find the body. Was they that it? They never found his body. They never found his body. Okay. I, I think this is one that Henry Lee Lucas might have sent him up the river for, but I think that even without Lucas's statement, Otis was still have gotten it, but yeah. I don't know. So anyway... Otis Toole was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. Toole's father was an alcoholic who abandoned him. While his abusive mother would, according to Toole, dress him in girls' clothing and call him Susan. Toole claimed that, as a young child, he was a victim of sexual assault and incest at the hand of many close relatives and acquaintances, including his older sister and next-door neighbor. He also claimed that his maternal grandmother was a Satanist who exposed him to various satanic practices and rituals in his youth including self-mutilation and grave robbing, and dubbed him Devil's Child. Tool claimed this abuse began when he came out as a homosexual to his family. So Tool was often designated as suffering from mild mental retardation with an IQ of 75. He also suffered from epilepsy, which resulted in frequent grand mal seizures. Throughout Tool's childhood, he frequently ran away from home and often slept in abandoned houses. He was a serial arsonist from a young age and was sexually aroused by fire. In the documentary Death Diploma, Toole claimed he was forced to have sex with a friend of his father's when he was five years old. He felt he knew he was gay when he was about 10 and claimed to have a sexual relationship with a neighborhood boy when he was 12. Toole dropped out of school in ninth grade and began visiting gay bars. That's pretty young. It is. Oh my God, I was 15 in the ninth grade. Yeah. He also claimed to have been a male prostitute as a teenager and became obsessed with gay pornography. Tool claimed to have committed his first murder at age 14 when after being propositioned for sex by a traveling salesman, Tool ran over the salesman with his own car. Tool was first arrested at the age of 17 in August 1965 for loitering. That's how they did it. They did in the dude that did uh, was uh, 120 days in Sodom or Sallow. Can't remember that director's name, but he was supposedly killed because a prostitute ran him over with his own car, allegedly. Anyways, much information on Tool between 1966 and 1973 is unclear, but authorities believe that he began drifting around the southwestern United States and that he supported himself by prostitution and panhandling. While living in Nebraska, Tool was one of the prime suspects in the 1974 murder of 24-year-old Patricia Webb. Shortly after, he left Nebraska and briefly settled in Boulder, Colorado. One month later, he became a prime suspect in the homicide of 31-year-old Ellen Holman, who was murdered on October 14, 1974. With many accusations against him, Toole left Boulder and headed back to Jacksonville. In early 1975, Toole returned to Jacksonville after drifting and hitchhiking through the American South. On January 14th of 1976, he married a woman 25 years his senior. She left him after three days after discovering his homosexuality. Toole said during an interview, his marriage was a tactic meant to conceal his true sexuality. So he actually was trying to settle down. Yep. In 1976, Toole met Henry Lee Lucas at a Jacksonville soup kitchen, and they soon developed a sexual relationship. Tool later claimed to have accompanied Lucas in a thousand and eight murders, sometimes at the behest of a cult called the Hands of Death. <laughs> Police, however, discounted the uncorroborated claims of the cult's existence. On January 4th, I mean, the, the, the term, the Hands the of hands Death. Hands of Death. That sounds like something that a low IQ person would make up. Huh, let's think of our cult name. Uh, the, the Hands of Death. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, because we just want to kill people. I don't know. This sounds like something a toddler would make up. Right. Anyways, on January 4th, 1982, Tool barricaded 65-year-old George Sonnenberg in a boarding house where he was living in Jacksonville and set the house on fire. Sonnenberg died a week later of injuries he sustained in the fire. In April 1983, Tool was arrested for an unrelated arson incident in Jacksonville. Tool confessed to the crime and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Tool signed a confession stating that he and Sonnenberg had begun a sexual relationship, and after the two had an argument, Tool set Sonnenberg's home on fire. Two months later in June, his accomplice Henry Lee Lucas was arrested for unlawful possession of a firearm. It was then Lucas began boasting about the numerous murder rampages orchestrated by the two. At first, Tool had denied involvement but later began backing up Lucas's confessions. Lucas also backed Tool's confessions to the murder of Adam Walsh. Journalist Hugh Ainsworth and others investigated investigated for articles it's not anusworth (laughs) that appeared in the dallas times herald it was calculated that lucas would have had to use his 13 year old ford station wagon to cover 11,000 miles in one month example here that's around 370 miles per day like they can't stop (laughs) to take a piss to have committed the crimes police attributed to him lucas became widely regarded as a compliant interviewee who was used by police to clear up unsolved murders that he had not been involved in aided by tool giving false statements in collaboration. During Tool's trial for murdering George Sonnenberg, Tool claimed that he did not light the home on fire and only signed the confession so he'd be extradited back to Jacksonville. On April 28, 1984, a jury found Otis Tool guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death. Later that year, Tool was found guilty of the February 1983 strangulation murder of a 19-year-old Tallahassee, Florida woman and received a second death sentence. On appeal, however, both sentences were later commuted to life in prison. After his incarceration, Tool pled guilty to four more Jacksonville murders in 1991 and received four more life sentences. So now's probably a good time to read the rest of the Apple reviews. But first, but first, listen, listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. Do you want extra episodes from us? Yes, you absolutely want extra episodes from us. And not only that, you could get postcards from us and and our personal Snapchats. We'll send you snaps every day or send you postcards. What a better thing. And and since some people have been asking and since we both have amazing feet, we added a tier on Patreon where you can get our feet every month. No, I'm not kidding. You asked for it. You got it feet. Do you want a video of our feet? Do you want to watch me like step on broken, like not broken glass, but broken eggs or something like peggysfeet.com? I don't know. I'll take requests, dude. I know we have a lot of extra eggs in the fridge. I really... Really, walk all over them. I really, really have pr- beautiful feet. Do you, if if you're if you're on the fence and you're just like mm, I don't know about Drewby's feet, I will send you measurements and I will describe them to you. And you can you can let me know. You can let me know if you want to do the feet tier. So go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMiseryMachine and choose the This is really weird tier, and you will get all of our secret episodes. You'll get a postcard from us every month, and you get feet. 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 Or if e- you're not into Drewby's feet, you could have some yogurt. Feet. I mean, you can get eat both of our or feet. Or both. Like Jesus, like fucking feet, okay, man? You know you want feet. Get us foot wrestling. Get, get us foot wrestling. <laughs> you want to see feet fuck? Nah. <laughs> oh my God. Just like two feet, just like doing that against each other. I don't know, <laughs> Is man. That a thing? I don't know. I, I, I ain't judging. I'm not judging. 
I'm just saying, you know, if if you want to look at my feet, I don't have a problem with that. Go, you more power to you. <laughs> anyway, Anyways. so here's the rest of these Apple reviews. Uh, click the like button, by the way, if you're listening on on friggin' YouTube, and then subscribe, please. Oh my God, this helps so much, so much. Okay, so here's the rest of our Apple reviews. First listen, and I'm hooked. Very entertaining. Add to my podcast must listen list. And this is from Girl We Have to Talk podcast. Very much recommend. Another podcast, Fatal Crime Confessions, also recommends as they love this podcast. They love the dialogue between the hosts. They chose great cases and cannot get enough. Well, thank you. We really try with the cases. We rack our brains over these cases. This is not just something like, oh, let's do this today. No, we we really think hard about this because we don't just want to do boring shit. And then... Uh, CJF0257 says, A must listen. Wow, I came across this podcast on Instagram, and when I saw that they covered the controversial story of Aaron Hernandez, I was totally hooked. Great information and delivered smoothly. This show is a must listen. Can't wait for more. Thank you, because that episode uh, took years off my life. No, not really, but I I didn't sleep very well that night because I stayed up all night editing it. And, like, honestly... I finally got a chance to start watching some of the documentary on Netflix while I was like at work because I kind of do that. And that's also a must watch. Yeah, I really want to watch that. Like now that we've covered the story, I, I am so into wanting to watch that. And I, it's hard for me to watch things. Maybe I'll throw it on while I'm working. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to see that. And final one from Kierberts. Keir- uh, K.I. Burtz 34. I don't I don't know how to pronounce that, but it says, love that. Love, love that. Love it. Great podcast. I love the chit chat. Awesome true crime podcast. Thank you so much. So with that out of the way, Otis Tool was known for a very famous murder. Very. A, mur- a murder that most everybody was familiar with, even if they didn't know who Otis Tool was. And that was the murder of Adam Walsh. Yes. Who is the son of John Walsh of America's Most Wanted. So how about you talk about what happened with that. Okay, so Adam John Walsh was an American boy who was abducted from a Sears department store at the Hollywood Mall in Hollywood, Florida on July 27th of 1981. His severed head was found two weeks later in a drainage canal alongside Highway 60 Yeehaw Junction Yeehaw. in rural St. Lucie County, Florida. His death garnered national interest. His story made it into the 1983 television film Adam, seen by 38 million people in its original airing. His father, John Walsh, became an advocate for victims of violent crimes and was the host of the television program America's Most Wanted and currently in pursuit with John Walsh. Convicted serial killer Otis Toole confessed to Adam's murder, but was never convicted for the specific crime due to loss of evidence and recanted confession. Toole died in prison of liver failure on September 15, 1996. No new evidence has come forth since then, and on December 16, 2008, police announced that the Walsh case was closed after they were satisfied that Tool was the killer. Yeah, and I think uh, John Walsh has said in interviews that he believes firmly that Otis Tool was the killer. Right. And that he feels like he found closure with it. Yeah. So here's the case history. On the afternoon of July 27th, 1981, Adam's mother, Reve, is that how you pronounce Either it? Either Reve or Reeve. Yeah. I would th- say like Reve. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've never, I've never I've seen never that seen before. Name. Yeah. Especially like French names. I know quite a few and I've never seen that one. But yeah, took him. So his mother, Reve, took him shopping with her to the Hollywood Mall in Hollywood, Florida. They went together to Sears and entered through the north entrance. Reve intended to inquire 
inquire about a lamp which was on sale and left Adam at a kiosk with an Atari 2600. Man, okay. that So you know what time period this mm-hmm. is. Uh, Atari 2600 video games on display where several other boys were taking turns playing them. Reve completed her business in the lamp department. There was a lamp department. Yeah. Man. Now if you want a lamp, you go to like a friggin' lighting store if there's a department for that, right? Well, unless you're at Ikea, they have an entire like section of just lighting no, fixtures. No, that's true. When it's I, beautiful. When I was at Ikea and I think Renton, Washington, yes, there was this giant thing of lamps and man, we need an Ikea around here. We yeah. really, really do. God, I sound like such a fucking yuppie. Oh my God. No, I love going there. Like the closest one for Maine is Stoughton, Mass. And that's like still like, you know, about a 45 minutes an hour drive depending on traffic past Boston. Yeah. So coming from like where we are in Auburn, Maine, it's kind of a hike. Well, I know that's... Uh... Unless you're going to like make a day of or a weekend of it and go up to the ones in like Montreal. Is there one in Montreal? Yeah. Okay, I haven't found that one either. I, I sh- okay, next time I'm in Montreal, because I, I didn't even know there was one there. I fe- feel like I would have known that. Oh, well, anyways. So, <laughs> she concluded her business in the lamp department. She said that she returned to find that Adam and the other boys had disappeared. A store manager informed her that a scuffle had broken out over whose turn it was at the kiosk, and a security guard demanded that they leave the store. The security guard asked the older boys if their parents were there, and they said that they were not. Adam's parents later conjectured that he was too shy to speak to the security security guard who presumed that he was in the company of the other boys and as such the security guard made him leave by the same door by which the boys entered which was the steers west entrance his parents believe that after the other boys dispersed he was left alone outside the store at an exit unfamiliar to him meanwhile unable to find adam in the toy department reve had him paged over the public address system and continued to look for him throughout the store by coincidence she ran into his paternal grandmother jean who helped her search for him after more than 90 minutes of searching and public address pages which failed to locate him she called the Hollywood police at 1.55 p.m. On August 10th a severed head was found in a drainage canal alongside the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach or Vero I'm not sure almost Vero I think so I'm not a Floridian almost 130 miles from Hollywood by Detective Ralph E. Latimer Jr. and an unidentified deputy of the Indian River County Sheriff's Office Indian River County and St. Lucie County divers searched the canal on the morning of August 11th John and Vey appeared on national television saying they still hoped Adam was alive. A $100,000 reward had been posted for his safe return soon after the recovered remains were identified as Adam's. Coroner ruled that the cause of death for Adam was asphyxiation. I don't know how they would get Determine that. Determine that from a severed head, I mean, right? I guess you yeah. have like petechial hemorrhaging, I think it's called, in the eyes. Yeah, so yeah. That's and, probably... And in the brain, too, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, still, like, if your head's removed, like, I'd like to think that some of those things could be confused on autopsy it could be or like if you were drowned i I don't know i mean i guess with that and i only know that from watching like true crime shows but you know I'm not a coroner. So the state of the remains suggested that Adam had died several days before the discovery of his head and the rest of the body was never recovered. John and Reve personally believe that the Hollywood Police Department botched the treatment of Adam's disappearance. First the missing persons investigation, then the investigation into his murder. After some investigation, police eventually concluded that Adam was abducted by a drifter named Otis Toole near the front exterior of Sears that afternoon. After being instructed to leave by a security guard, 
So according to Tool, he lured him into his white 1971 Cadillac with a damaged right bumper with the promise of toys and candy, then proceeded to drive north on Interstate 95 towards his home in Jacksonville. Adam, at first docile and compliant, began to panic as they drove on. Tool punched him in the face, but just as this made the situation even worse, he then walloped him unconscious. While he was unconscious, Tool drove north on the Florida Turnpike to a deserted service road just north of the Raidbar Road overpass northwest St. Lucie County. When Tool realized Adam was still breathing, he strangled him to death with a seatbelt, dragged him out of the car, and decapitated him with a machete. Tool also claimed to have disposed of his body by incinerating it in an old refrigerator when he returned to Jacksonville. He claimed that he wanted to make him his adopted son, but given the close relationship with his loving parents, it was not feasible. Determining the source of the blood found in the car was not possible. The police ultimately lost the bloodstained carpet from the car. The machete said to be used to decapitate Adam and eventually the car itself. Tool, a confidant of convicted serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, repeatedly confessed and then retracted accounts of his involvement. So Tool was never charged in Adam's case, although he provided seemingly accurate descriptions as how he committed the crime. Several witnesses also placed him at the Hollywood area in the days leading up to Adam's disappearance. In September 1996, he died in prison, age 49, of cirrhosis while serving a life sentence for the crimes. And I have some pictures of that that we can definitely show, like, in the episode on YouTube. He looks so much older than 49. Yeah, he really does. I would have and, pegged him for, like, late 80s. And, and I, I should uh, offer some clarification. Say he wasn't just serving a life sentence for these crimes, but for other crimes, other crimes that we too. mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. So afterwards, his niece told John that he had made a deathbed confession to Adam's murder. His confession was viewed as unreliable since Lucas had confessed to or implicated themselves in more than 200 different homicides, as we reviewed in our Henry Lee Lucas episodes. Most of Lucas's confessions were later to be revealed to be false, having been coerced by the Texas Rangers. In 1997, Hollywood Police Chief Rick Stone conducted an exhaustive review of Adam's case after the release of John's book. At the time, Stone was a 22-year veteran of the Dallas, Texas, and Wichita, Kansas Police Departments and had been appointed Hollywood's Chief of Police in the previous year. Although the crime happened 16 years before the time of his review, he provided an analysis of the evidence, including reviewing taped interrogations of Tool by Hollywood Police Detective Mark Smith. Stone says his review found evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that Tool murdered Adam. Both Tool and Lucas were notorious, Stone noted, for confessing to crimes they committed and then recanting, as we covered before. Right. So in 2007, allegations earned widespread publicity that Jeffrey Dahmer, arrested in Wisconsin in 1991 after killing more than a dozen men and boys, was also named a suspect in Adam's murder. Lionel Dahmer, the father of Jeffrey Dahmer, called the AMW hotline America's n- Most Wanted. Yeah, not too long after his son's arrest. He said that while his son was never convicted for it, he believed his son was a pedophile. He was living in Miami Beach at the time, and two eyewitnesses placed him at the mall on the day that Adam was up. Abducted. One claimed to have seen a strange man walking into the toy department. The other said he saw a young blonde man with protruding chin throw a struggling child into a blue van and speed off. <laughs> I did, didn't even think <clears throat> to report it. Just, yeah, I saw this dude just kidnap this kid. Right. But... And the blue van thing is something I'm going to touch on a little bit later.
later as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so both witnesses recognized the man they had seen as Dahmer when pictures of him were released in the newspapers after his arrest. Reports showed that the delivery shop where he worked had a blue van at the time. He preyed on young men and boys, the youngest being eight years older than Adam, and his modus operandi included severing the victim's heads. When interviewed about Adam in 1992, he repeatedly denied involvement in the crime, even stating, I've told you everything, how I killed them, how I cooked them, who I ate. Why wouldn't I tell you if I did someone else? After the rumors surfaced, John stated that he had seen no evidence linking Adam's abduction and murder to Dahmer. On December 16, 2008, Hollywood, Florida Police Chief Chad Wagner, a friend of John Walsh's, announced with him present that the case was now closed. An external review of the case had been conducted, and police announced that they were satisfied that Tool was the murderer. So the, the television film Adam premiered on October 10, 1983. The film was based on Walsh's kidnapping and murder and attracted 30 38 million viewers on its first airing. Each of its three broadcasts in 1983, 1984, and 1985 were followed by pictures and descriptions of missing children. A hotline was also created to take calls regarding them. The pictures in the hotline were ultimately credited with finding a number of missing children. 13 of 55 children shown in the 1983 broadcast were located. American rapper Busy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony fame, who was abducted by his stepfather as a child, was reunited with his mother after a neighbor recognized a photo of him shown at the end of the 1983 broadcast. In 1984, the U.S. Congress passed the Missing Children's Assistant Act, owing in part to the advocacy of the Walshes and other parents of missing children. It allowed the formation of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The Code Adam program for helping lost children in department stores is named in Adam's memory. The U.S. Congress passed the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act on July 25, 2006, and President Bush signed the law on July 27th. It took that long? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that was something that came into effect in the mid to late 80s. Yeah, I thought so too until, you know, putting this together. But yeah, it was pretty recent. Okay, so the signing ceremony took place on the south lawn of the White House, attended by John and Reve. The bill institutes a national database of convicted child molesters and increases penalties for sexual and violent offenses against children. It also creates a RICO cause of action for child predators and those who can with them. The Adam Walsh Reauthorization Act of 2016, which provides budgetary allotments to continue the programs passed in the 2006 Act, has, as of August 2016, passed the U.S. Senate and awaits consideration by the House. The publicity of Adam's case and the widely watched television movie Adam also created what was described as a mid-1980s panic over stranger abductions, one out of proportion to their numbers, and one which has persisted for decades. Yes. So did you ever see the movie Adam? I've actually never seen it, but one thing that I remember specifically as a child growing up in the mid to late 80s into the early 90s was this whole big thing about the blue van. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it ties back to this. It must because, I mean, what I remember is kids always calling blue vans like that rape vans. So that was always something I knew growing up, but I didn't know it was linked to this until you told me about it. Yeah, like I didn't realize it was linked either. So it was like this big story like growing up that people in blue vans were just taking kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if we were like, you know, in our neighborhood, which was basically like a small suburban subdivision of, you know, ranch style homes, if we were all playing in our yard and we saw a blue van, we go run and hide. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do we want to get on Stranger Danger now? Or do you want to finish this first? Finish this first. Yeah. Okay. Because I definitely have <laughs> my experience as a child to talk about that. But right. uh, so Richard Moran, criminologist at Mount Holyoke College, the case created a nation of petrified kids and paranoid parents. Kids used to be able to go out and organize a stickball game and now all play dates and the social lives of children are arranged and controlled by the parents the fear still lingers today end quote and I wholeheartedly agree yeah. with that because how do I put this my family might hear this no I, there was definitely some helicopter parenting around me growing up and I could not go and do anything I couldn't even like ride my bike outside of my driveway because I was told that there were kid touchers and kidnappers that are just going that will take kids at an opportune moment and I just thought these people were just prowling around and they just existed everywhere and you lived in the middle of nowhere yeah I know I live I lived out in the woods and here was all and I didn't live far from my elementary school and all my friends were riding their bikes to school from like a lot further away and I wanted to ride my bike to school but I couldn't do it couldn't go see my friends couldn't do anything like that until I was much older but and but this had an effect on me because I didn't I I never understood motive the way it was described to me is that there's just people out there that will just kill you for no reason kidnap you for no reason rape you for no reason so I just thought there was just these people lurking like monsters in a movie that just kill people in opportune moments and like that that stuck with me for so long also when you grow up in a very white rural part of Maine where there's a lot of racism because everybody's white and everybody has these feelings about people of color you combine stranger danger with racism and it's really fucked up to do to a kid so yeah yeah I don't know mine wasn't that terrible my mom was somewhat strict but not anywhere near like how strict parents are now Mm -hmm. I was still able to like go outside and play with my friends she would like whistle really loud when she wanted us to come in I was about 10 or so when I was able to like ride my bike up to the stores like in Lisbon I was about that age when she finally let me like walk to the elementary school but yeah it was it was it was similar yeah I mean even nowadays I don't see as I've gotten older I see less and less kids walking by themselves i see less latchkey kids and just things of that nature they're not even allowed to be at the bus stop by themselves is that true oh my god well not that you know they're not allowed but i just don't see kids generally out there by themselves like when i leave for work in the morning there's like all these parents out at the bus stop and you know I live in a apartment complex (laughs) like nothing's gonna happen even when I well first of all my mom would would always take us to school no that's not true she wouldn't always take us to school but sometimes she would but if we were waiting for the bus she would always wait with us I was not able to wait alone until I was much much older so yeah that now that you mention it yeah that's true and and, and again I lived in the middle of nowhere I could have waited by myself nobody was going to abduct me yeah I don't know my mom like she let me when I started going to kindergarten and first grade go on the bus just because I wanted to like go with the big kids that you know live next door and they like took care of me yeah but as like time went on my mom like specifically drove my sister and I to school and would drop us off at the door no like walking off or anything like that it was kind of weird this like went on to like middle school I was more afraid of uh, taking the bus as a kid because I was the last stop for my bus driver at the time 
and his name was Alfred. And so me being this little like weird kid, like having all these thoughts put in my head, I was like, ooh, Alfred, like Alfred Hitchcock, he's probably a killer. And then I'd see that like um, bus drivers have this this first aid kit looking thing over their front seat. And I thought he kept a gun in there. And I always thought he was going to like kill me or something. Oh my goodness. But I just like I just I was scared of that. But I, I was not afraid of riding my bike to school because all the kids were doing it and Poor stuff like that. And it's just, it was just weird. And just yeah, I, I never really got to do much until I was a lot older. So I had to get it out when I was um, get all that out of me when I was uh, of age to be arrested. But thankfully, I never was. Yeah, my mom like for a long time wouldn't let me go to sleepover. Yeah, mine neither. Because she seemed to think all their fathers were going to touch me. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, that didn't happen to me. But my, like... my mom was always afraid of other people cooking things for me. And this was before the food allergies started. But she's like, other people have dirty kitchens, and you don't know what you'll catch from that. And so whenever, this was like such a common thing back then. But if somebody had a birthday in like my first or second grade class, their parents would always bake cupcakes to bring in for all of us as classmates. And I was specific told to not eat it to decline it or to and that was so embarrassing because I was the only one not eating it and everybody would make me feel bad for it and then I would have to be like well I want to take it home and I always have to take it home and my mom would throw it away and then there was that whole like thing with Halloween candy oh your your Halloween candy is going to have razor blades in it it's going to be poisoned so we couldn't go trick-or-treating to anyone that we didn't know Plus, they could kidnap us. Just, like, weird shit. Am I going to have to take you, like, real trick-or-treating? I went real trick-or-treating. So after I was able to, you know, ride with my best friend, I was, like, 16, 17, 18 was when I did real trick-or-treating. And only somebody called me on my age, like, once. And I was... the that And that was when I was 18. And I was with this... <laughs> The six foot three or six foot two tall Spanish man. And she was just like, aren't you boys a little old to be trick or treating? And he's like, I'm just big for my age. Yeah, I think <laughs> the last time I pulled it off was, oh, goodness. And I was with like a bunch of guys that definitely didn't look like they should be trick or treating. Yeah. They did not get candy and I did. Oh, my. And I was, I think I was like 19. Yeah. It was when I was living in Augusta and I just like walked around Sand Hill in my little devil costume and people like filled up my little bag full of candy. Yes, well, when you don't when you don't age, guess what? I mean, that's that's how I got away with it. But yeah, I think the last time I went trick or treating was when I was eighteen. I mean, I was about to be like, yeah, I wish I could do that now, but I don't even eat candy anymore, so fuck it. Yeah, allergic to most of it anyway. So yeah, but yeah, that was like a big thing too, and I think that evolved from Stranger Danger. This myth that people were putting razor blades in candy or poisoning it or just like a bunch of shit like that, and then turns out when the internet came out. Hey, there's no statistics for that. That's never happened. Right. Except with like parents doing it to their own kids. That was like the only thing they found, I believe. Yeah. The yeah. only the only like weird thing I remember specifically was one time and this is not about Halloween. It was about like the, the touching thing. I had to yeah. go to a pool party that I was invited to it was two houses down. My mom would not let me change into my swimsuit there. I had to be in my swimsuit, walk over. I couldn't change out of it there. I had to change at home. If I had to pee, I had to come home. I couldn't use their bathroom because someone might touch me. That's what she said. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, I never had anything like that. There was always this guy that, because uh, my grandmother would always take me to church. She was a Baptist, and I always had to go to Sunday school and then to service afterwards. And there was always this one guy that mom was like, he liked to talk to like some of the people there. 
And she was like, you be careful of him. He's a kid toucher. And then later on, I find out much later in life, he was actually just mentally handicapped. Oh, no. <laughs> and she didn't realize. So there was just like, and the reason I say that story, like, I feel I feel bad in retrospect. The reason why I say that story is because, like, anyone who was different was perceived as a threat in those days. Yeah. And that was because of this case. When in reality, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, some kids were definitely, like, getting kidnapped, getting abused, getting molested, but that was usually by their own relatives, you know, not by these, like, magical boogeymen that were, like, picking them up. So, yeah, I never had any experience. I've never had some some weird dude, like, try to pick me up or lure me into his van. Yeah. I never had anyone try to touch me. I mean, kids were fucking each other, but there were there was I, I never heard anything like that. Yeah, and, like, back to the, the trick-or-treating thing. Like, it's it's a problem today that I, I've seen. What's very popular, at least around this area, I'm sure it's widespread throughout the country, is this trunk-or-treat thing. What's that? Okay, so it is where, during the daytime, a group of people will organize a trick-or-treating event in a parking lot sometimes in front of a business where people decorate their cars and they dress up in costumes and do a trick-or-treat and have like the candy in their trunk oh like they'll just hang around and they'll give candy out of their trunk right so we did it one year like i participated one year for roller derby and we did kind of like a dc comics versus like marvel type theme uh-huh and we uh, like just gave candy out of the back of one of the girls trucks Okay. I understand how that could be useful, especially for if you have small children where, you know, parents are working weird hours or if you live somewhere that isn't particularly safe for trick or treating. But I really feel like it's kind of taken the place of actually going trick or treating on Halloween. I've never had a trick-or-treater. Yeah. You know, I, I'm 36 years old. The last time I had trick-or-treaters was when I was living in Augusta, the same time I actually went trick-or-treating myself. And then I've never, you know, and I've lived in fairly safe areas. Like the apartment complex I live in is really like two complexes in one. Not a lot of kids in this back one, but out front there's tons of kids. No one's ever come trick-or-treating here. Yeah, I've never had trick-or-treaters um. either except <laughs> it, it, since my parents' house, I've never had trick-or-treaters. Right, and it's just really kind of crazy. You think it's just, like, died down? I well, think it's, like, died out. Well, I mean, also, I think, so, the last time I went trick-or-treating was in Auburn in the, in the like, well-to-do suburbs. Like, we just parked the car, and it, there was just mobs of kids going everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, we would have to go out in Halloween, and I go away every year for Halloween. So, I haven't seen what it's been like here for a very long time. But I would I would be shocked if you go to some of these richer neighborhoods and you don't see a bunch of kids milling around. Yeah, like, I'd really like to see if it's like that in my old neighborhood because it used to be pretty hopping. Yeah, I mean, I, it would just be hard for me to believe that people just aren't trick-or-treating anymore. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, maybe it's kind of changed slightly, but I just, I, I don't know. I would, I, I just don't think it's dead. And I'm sure if we Googled it or did some research, we could find out just how Halloween has changed for trick-or-treating or, or what the customs are now. I'm sure it's not dead. Yeah, but it's definitely, like, changed in a way that I don't like. Well, how? I don't know. I like the whole, like, just going house to house type of thing, even if you have to travel a little bit. Well, for sure. I mean, I bet kids are still doing that. But, <sighs> I mean, when you live in a apartment complex kind of out of the way, this isn't near a bunch of houses. This would be a weird walk. I think that's probably why. That's probably it. Like, I, I stopped buying candy a few years ago. Fuck candy. Yeah. <laughs>
eat meat instead. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So early estimates by the NCMEC, which I don't know what that stands for, would state that as many as 20,000 children a year were abducted by strangers and public service spots relayed the perceived danger. A 1985 Pulitzer Prize expose discussed a numbers gap between the claim number and other statistics, such as that the FBI investigated a total of 67 abductions by total strangers in 1984. By 1988, even as the NCMEC lowered annual estimates of stranger abductions by 80%, early estimates had a life of their own, end quote. A 1990 study of child abductions found that 99% of them were family-related. I am not shocked at this Mm -hmm. at all. In the 15 years between 2000 and 2015, the number of missing children ultimately killed decreased in its own right, attributed partly to the emergence of technologies such as mobile phones that allow calls for help. And you just don't want your kid to have cell phones, huh? Well, you know what? And that acronym you keep saying is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay, well, well, thank you. You you could have interrupted me. I would have been fine with it. That oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna be so offended <laughs> that my co-host interrupts me, especially when I say I don't know what this stands for. Right. Yergi, help me out here. Otis Tool died at the Florida State Prison of cirrhosis of the liver on September fifteenth, nineteen ninety six, at the age of forty nine. His body went unclaimed, and he was buried in the Florida State Prison Cemetery. Is that accessible? I don't know. I would like to see some of these like yeah, prison cemeteries, though. I, I imagine a lot of it's unmarked. Yeah, I bet it's a lot of unmarked graves, and it, it probably is cool at first, but after a while, I bet all the graves are milk toast. Yeah, like I know his because I've seen a picture. It's just a small little looks like a brick that just says tool on it. Tool. Tool. Anyway. Anywho. But yeah, that was that. Any more uh, talks about Stranger Danger? I mean, Stranger Danger kind of bled into the internet era, right? Yeah. I remember when... Someone was going to abduct me for being in a chat room. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, don't give them your first name. If you give them your first name, they will find out where you live and kidnap you. And now we're on Facebook and everybody gives their full names out. It's all online. What the fuck happened? I don't know. Oh, does somebody did somebody see a picture of you? If they see a picture of you, they'll know exactly where you live. I really think our boomer and elder Gen X parents were just paranoid. I remember I used to go to a Pokemon chat room. I was between the ages of 8 and 12 when I went to this Pokemon chat room. And being holed up in the middle of the woods and not able to see friends for a while, all I had was that chat room. It was a smallish chat room with regulars. And some of these people like to... RP or basically role play and not role play in the sexy way they would just pretend to be characters mostly mm-hmm. and a lot of these people were weebs so a lot of them were anime characters so one day I get an email for a wedding between two of the people in the chat room my mom who was checking my shit happened to intercept this email freaked the fuck out on me and pulled the uh the the modem cable out of the wall told me i was never allowed to do that again and i could only go online with supervision because these are a bunch of adults that were going to kidnap me or kill me 
or just something of that nature. And I was destroyed because that was my last outlet of social interaction when I was at home. When she was not home, find out where the cord is, plug it in, just to talk to my my online friends again, all of which I've lost I've I've lost contact with. But mm-hmm. she she thought then that just being in a chat room set me up for so much danger. So ridiculous that bled into the internet era, and now all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. Friggin' 12 year old kids have Facebooks, yeah, and their full <clears throat> name is online. That never would have flown like 15 years ago. It's so crazy to me how much has changed. I don't know, I think it just like goes in waves because I don't know, like on top of my mom being fairly protective of me compared to other parents of kids that I grew up with. Things weren't really that terrible as they are now. I see a lot more helicopter parenting now. I think it's just gonna get worse and worse. Yeah, it like really seems like a lot of parents like wrap their kids in a bubble. Can't really speak that much because I'm not a parent, but it seems that has changed as well. My, my dad was younger or when my friend's parents were younger, they used to just go everywhere and do everything mm-hmm. and heard talk of this time where just people would be like, oh, your baby's so cute and like talk about it. Like other cultures will pick up and hold babies and stuff like that. And they're just more free spirited about that sort of thing. And now it just, there just seems to be this super cloistered protectiveness of one's children. You even look at somebody like the wrong way and they they think you're up to something just everybody's become so paranoid and i understand why this case would cause parents to think that especially uneducated parents that don't have access to resources or the internet but now there's no excuse and it seems like things are getting a lot worse involving that paranoia and i don't know as we get into the the 2020s where this is coming from or what is 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 making this happen i don't know I don't know either. It's just, it just, like, there's not, there hasn't been any abductions that hit the news like this that caused people to freak out. It just doesn't exist. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Do we have any more housekeeping items or anything like that we need to go over? I already talked about our Patreon. Please, please press the like button and subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and a written review. We will shout you out. We finally got to 100 subscribers. Yes, we got to 100 subscribers on YouTube. I'm going to have to update the channel art as soon as I get a minute. Because yeah. I've had no free time lately. Holy shit. It has been a very busy week. Your cat and it's UTI and now it's shitting everywhere. Oh my God. So should I tell this story? Well, yeah. I mean, we're at the end of the episode now. If people like, are still hanging around. They want to know what's up with us. So we actually had to do this episode in two parts because we took a little mini break before we got into Adam Walsh. And I go out into the living room and my cat has shit on the floor and not just like shit on the floor shit on the carpet inches away from where the litter box is on the tile and it was absolutely terrible your cat was getting swifty she was getting all ridiculous so i had to like break out the carpet shampooer get all this disinfectant it was terrible i hated my life Uh, that was the only time though other times she just shits all over the bathtub or shits on the tile next to the litter box instead of in the litter box i i just don't know what's up with her anymore i cannot wait for this to be done and she's in heat too so she'll like come up to me and she'll meow this very specific meow and then she'll start like presenting her butthole to me but not in the way like cats do when they're friendly she like will make this weird cooing noise and just pump her fucking legs up at me and just slowly back up into me I'm like oh my god you are really coming on to me more than any other lady has sober in my life and then she like rolls around on the kitchen floor and bonks her head like she's some sort of raver on E (laughs) 
Well, I've known a lot of cats that do that when they're playful, but she does this a little differently. She, like, completely slinks herself out, and she, like, gives me these sexy looks, and I'm like, what are you doing? Usually, this cat I, I, I used to live with named Bandit, he used to roll around on the floor, and he would do that just so I'd tap him with, with my foot, so he'd roll back and forth every time I'd tap him with the foot, and my sister's cat Oliver used to do that, and stuff like that, but this... She's being kind of slutty. Yeah. Oh, you're slut shaming your cat. I don't care. She just wants to get some human dick. <clears throat> she does. She just wants to get dug out. I don't think she'd be satisfied with the human dick because there's no barbed wires in the human dick. I think I would have to put like fish hooks on my dick yeah. for for her to for her to be <clears throat> satisfied. So people spay and neuter your cats. Spay and neuter your cats. Although that's that's genital mutilation. You fucking monsters. I don't know. Like the thing with her is she's like very tiny. She didn't go into heat until many many, many, many years after I had her and it was very few and far between. I don't let her out. None of my other cats are unaltered. So I didn't think it was a huge deal. She's like 15 now. So I mean, you know, why bother at this point? And she looks like Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> she does sometimes. She gives me the Bill Skarsgård eyes and she tips her head down and looks up at me with this evil look. And I'm just like, what the fuck do you want? She wants to give you a balloon. I guess she does want to give me a balloon. I mean, right now she wants to give me a blowy, not a balloon. But... Oh my God, she's really coming on to you hard. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awful. I just... It's a little more delicate than that. A little more delicate. She's tiny, but like Jesus Christ, I you know what? Good good for her for being forward. I just wish she would respect the fact that I don't agree with her advances. You know, they're they're not reciprocated. Is this sexual harassment? I mean, it kind of is. Is she a cougar? Because she's so old. You you know you know you you have to like forgive her because in her day it was different. It was different her <laughs> day. Being an old lady and all. I don't know why her and Kitten aren't having sex anymore i don't know but, but yeah old, old ladies i remember when i used to work with all women and i was getting told it was nice to have some testosterone in the building or i'd get my ass slapped or just they would talk about how my shit looked and stuff like that hell even at acs i remember where one woman told me that she knows who's packing at the call center because she checks out like every dude's pants when they walk by and told me that guy and that guy and that guy's got nothing down there and I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, honey, all women do this. And no, I'm they like, don't. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, but like especially old women say the most of inappropriate things at the workplace. And by the way, I know there's this whole thing. Don't tell women to smile. And totally, totally on board with that because I was getting told to smile all the fucking time to the point where like when this old woman's like smile honey and I'd give her the sawtooth grin and I would just point at my fucking mouth like all aggressively I, a, a woman probably couldn't get away with that but I, I did know. because fuck them fuck you telling me to smile and shit yeah so my cat used to go on these dates with my boy cat they'd go like hide behind the recliner and like have make pretend sex pretend sex even though like he's fixed and can't like do anything like that they would just like he would just like hump her and bite her neck <laughs> and say they were going she on all dates. about it yeah she loved it at least callie is a cool cat yeah she's a good girl she's just chill just wants to cuddle, and that's it. Be a cow. Just cow around. Yeah, eat meat all the time. Eat meat, just chew her cud and make little meeps. She's fat shaming my cat. I'm not. I'm just saying we, we, we call her the cow. She's a little calico cow, and she makes little meeps. She's the cutest meows. They're like, meow, 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 meow. 
She only does like long meows when she wants food, and even those are cute. You know, it's, I like her. Okay, I, I like her. I'm not fat shaming her. I know you guys are buddies. We are. We're friends. We're very good friends. All right. Okay. Are we are we done here? I think we're done with this. Okay. We've this compl- this is an hour episode, and we thought this was going to take thirty minutes. I know. We've completed this trilogy. Fuck my life. I'm so happy. I I hope y'all are happy because our trilogies never do gangbusters. Like we never get views on part two or part three. So if you're listening this this long, thank you. Things are going to change going forward. Things are going to change. How how about I slip this little one out? If you've been listening for this long and you want to do a short little guest segment on on one of our episodes, send us a message. We might want to work with yeah, you. Yeah, send us like an email, DM through Instagram or Facebook, whatever platform is, whatever. Slide into my DMs. Yes. I don't, God, I'm so bad at checking the fucking Instagram DMs. I am good at it. Yeah, so nine times out of ten, you're going to get Yergi. But one of these days, you're going to get Drooby. One of these days, you're going to get Drooby. And if and if you really want to talk to Drooby, just summon him and he will, he will talk to you. Because I'm trying to be better about it. I've just been i've been up to my fucking balls with things to do yeah it's been really really ridiculous and editing this shit oh my god now that we're doing better editing this has been taking hours upon hours and i want to shoot myself in the fucking head but i i do this because i love y'all yeah i've been yeah. trying to um less for you Try um less for me. Yeah, because you have to cut all my ums out. Well, you certainly succeeded today. Yeah. But I will still have to cut a lot out because I stutter and... We have a lot of pauses. Yeah, there's some pauses. God, why are we peeling the curtain back? God, people are going to think whatever, only like, not whatever, I don't care. This is, this is what being a podcast is. Oh, I really want to have a podcast. Yeah, do you, do you want to sound like shit or do you want to edit your shit for like nine hours? You know, the, the choice is yours, <laughs> my friend. It's basically another full time job yeah 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 i (laughs) i haven't played poker since 2019 because i have been going hard at this between this between band stuff between just like work and yeah i I was in the fucking studio all last weekend i mean jesus christ i had to play a show recently and yeah out of state show out of state show new hampshire i mean but it's still out of state yeah i i could go on forever and this is probably going to turn into like a fucking patreon segment if we keep going if you want to float us ideas for our next little secret patreon segment let us know and if you subscribe to our patreon you could hear it too okay i'm done plugging this yeah i'm gonna go jump out the window now i want to take a bath okay all right i'm all right bye bye